You're listening to Meanwhile, Episode 7. Today we'll be talking about the outcome of the November 2016 presidential election and how we've both been dealing with it in ways both productive and sometimes less so. Let's jump on in. Michael Melcher, good to be with you, my friend. Hey, Michael Terrell, I'm glad to be with you here. We had a little bit of a of a break, not entirely planned. Life happens. Meanwhile, big big time life happened, and we got back on the horse because neither rain nor sleet nor presidents elect who may not understand what they and have gotten themselves and their country into nor the threat of nuclear war, which I believe is higher now than it was two months ago, <laughs> will stop us from our appointed task of doing this podcast and casting rays of light throughout the world to all our, our many, 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 many listeners. Many lovely listeners. Yes, good to be back. And the focus of today, the thing we want to talk about is, in fact, that country-shaking, if not world-shaking event you just alluded to. The election. At the point of making this podcast... <laughs> It looks like Donald Trump is going to be president starting January 21 for at least one day and possibly up to eight years or lifetime. And Hillary Clinton is not going to be president, at least now. And this was not expected by most people. And I can say that in my neck of the woods, the vast, vast majority of people I know have been extremely distressed by this result. Same and with I'm, mine. You yeah, same with Facebook your feed. neck. Being, you know, coastal elites that we are, uh, that's kind yep. of where we, we, we live. And yep. um, I share that belief in an extremely deep way. Uh, no one who knows me is ignorant to the fact that I'm an extreme Hillary Clinton partisan and always have been. Yep. And I am horrified at what is likely to happen. And at the same time, I'm not just a coach, but I'm Michael Milcher individual, and I do not want to wake up every day feeling that life is a horror show in which right. I lack any kind of agency. So we're going to talk today about the election and totally. different ways of, of looking at it, because it's the ultimate meanwhile event. It is the ultimate meanwhile event. I'm excited for you to share from your place, because I... I'm sure many of our listeners will resonate with what you just described. I'm also excited and hopeful for the conversation because for folks who maybe have different perspectives or have different reactions to the election, I'm hopeful that what we'll be able to talk about will be interesting for them too, just to be able to sort of hear our process and to know sort of where you were in, the, in so deep in the Hillary camp. And and for me, as Michael Terrell, the human, having my own set of reactions to it and, and certainly being on the left side of things, but having a, a, a different experience than it sounds like you have with it, that it'll be an interesting and insightful hopefully connecting conversation for folks listening, regardless of where they fall on the spectrum. Okay, so let's let's actually start with you. Um, oh, great. Why don't you tell me uh, how you and people like you, <laughs> however Let you me define speak that. for all 28-year-olds to 32-year-olds yeah. in the country. <laughs> yeah, so how's your experience been, both the election and the, the weeks afterwards? You know, my experience was... I think shock and surprise. I was tracking the New York Times website real time night of the election, and it had a model predicting the confidence of certain 
candidates winning. And, you know, from fairly early in the evening, they had Trump as the favored candidate. And then that number just rose from 60% certain to 82% certain to, you know, before I knew it in the mid nineties percent certain. And I, I just, I felt a little blindsided, stunned and went from this place of sort of being, I think, having so much disbelief around him as a candidate and almost laughing him off in some ways to having to come to grips with reality that this could be real. And, you know, that bringing with it sort of a, a greater sense of connection, I think, to the suffering of certain folks, you know, out here on the West coast of the States and certainly in the San Francisco area, the suffering people had felt around a lot of what his campaign was about, but also a, a sense sort of later in the night and in the days that followed of feeling genuinely curious to understand him and the people, the large, you know, tens of millions of people in this country who voted for him because they, there's something about him that felt like, oh, this was in my blind spot. And that having that sense made me intensely curious. And so I've been doing some, I should, I should do more, some reading and some exploring of, okay, what is this perspective in our country that I'm missing and I haven't fully seen, acknowledged, sought to understand? And I'm still sort of in that place. Okay. So from my perspective, as a either last year, the baby boom, or very early Gen X, um, it it's not an election like any other. I don't view it as the election that the Republicans won. I look to it as an election that this a terrible person who may be a Republican, maybe some other type of person is now nominally going to be the head of the United States. Right. And I, I'm not curious yet because I'm still thinking of like dire consequences that could huh. occur, whether it's some type of military imbroglio, uh, some type of thing related to terrorism that I think would get worse, economic collapse, racism, anti-immigrant stuff, whatever. Climate. Climate, yes, yeah. huge. But it's not just the Donald Trump winning aspect. It's the Hillary Clinton losing the electoral vote aspect and the 62 million people who, who voted for him instead of her. And I do not view Hillary Clinton as simply another candidate. I don't view her as the lesser of two evils. I view her as an extremely capable, good person who has devoted her life to public service and had a lot to offer the country. And I also view the results as partly... The latest of a 30-year campaign um, against Hillary Clinton, the Clintons general, liberals, Democrats, by a conservative, moneyed, um, right-wing, Republican-dominated thing, most represented by Fox News, but with a lot of other things, where they've systematically stereotyped, talked about in snarky language, um, introduced false memes, come up with fake news and so forth in an in effort to destroy the liberal alternative. And they, they won. It was effective. And yeah. so what kind of annoys you more than anything else are people who have this point of view that, well, you know, she wasn't a great candidate. It was just going to be the lesser of two evils. And either way, it's going to be the same. So I don't, I don't actually think that's the case at all. And, yeah. and I do think there's a generational thing here. I, I can't speak for all people my age or all baby boomers. But I do think that people in their late 40s, 50s, and, and older uh, feel much more personally affected by this result than people in their 20s and 
and 30s. And so there's this kind of generational disconnect where to one group of people, it's a hugely tragic thing. And to others, it's sort of a weird negative thing, but you know, yeah. not as big of a deal. Well, it would certainly represent, you know, there's a piece of that represented in, you know, your reaction versus my reaction. So, yeah. So even though in our world, people seem to have similar views. In fact, even within that world, they're, they're quite different. Yeah. So I want to talk about a few different themes that and models that we can use to kind of take apart this election. Because as you said up front, our goal isn't actually to come up with uh, political predictions or political analysis. It's more to look at how can we examine this huge thing and see what kinds of tools of general benefit we can take from it. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the first thing I want to start with is that people who were distressed about this this result, there were actually two different things going on. There was the negative feeling about what might happen when your person doesn't win and the other person who you don't like does win on very specific issues, whether it's gender, immigration, or national security, or environment, et cetera. But the second thing is that there's this kind of shock and surprise, and that's different. And the shock and surprise is a feeling of waking up thinking, oh my God, what, what kind of world am I living in? I am gobsmacked by this. I had no idea. I feel like an outsider, or I at least feel that a half the country operates with a completely different system from what, what I do. Sure. And I think it's important to divide those two because one of them tends to fade over time and the other one doesn't. And it actually is weirdly reminds me of when I found out that I was having identical twins instead of a single baby because the embryo had divided. And there there are certain real concerns that you have to take into account and fears that are appropriate, frankly, because um, it is a high-risk pregnancy if you're having identical twins. But honestly, the bigger thing I dealt with was just simply the surprise, the feeling that, okay, what I thought my reality is no longer my reality. And interestingly, in this book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, uh, they point this out. They said that when parents find out they're having twins or multiples, um, they actually go through a kind of grief process because huh. without knowing it, you had this idea that it was going to be me and my baby and Often they position it as mother and baby, but in my case it was you know human and baby, and you have all yep. this this kind of image of walking around with your baby and cuddling that baby and uh, giving nursing or giving milk to that baby, and then all of a sudden instead of one two arms and one little body, you have one in each arm, and you're never right. ever going to have that experience of having the the singleton, yep. and and it's a shock and it takes time to get used to, and in my case I would say that's true. It was probably a, almost a physical thing that took me at least a month to to get through. And so I feel like a lot of people are maybe going through this right now, particularly if they're younger, if they're, let's say, less than, than 30. So this, this fall, I was actually doing a number of workshops in Washington with people who were appointees to the Obama administration. And the people in their 20s have never known any other reality than progress, uh, moving forward, um, a kind of progressive leader uh, who's breaking barriers. And it's easy to just assume that that will happen forever, except it, it's, it's not. It, there's been a, a kind of 180 in, in their view right now. And they, they didn't see that coming. Whereas I have had that ex- experience before several times. Uh, or to put it another way, my heart has been broken before, politically speaking. Huh. 
And so I, I know how painful it is, but I also know that you can get over it. Whereas I feel like the first time your heart is broken, you really wonder, in fact, whether you can get over it. Yeah, I, it's, it's a really interesting analogy comparing it to, you know, parenthood and going through that news that you're going to be having multiple as opposed to one or just the imagery of uh, a country that gets you and resonates you and you're holding it kind of coddled in your arms uh, versus I don't recognize this baby uh, or these two babies now going through a shock phase. It definitely connects to, I think, what I felt the night of, like going through a little bit on some level of that shock processing. And insofar as having the generational difference there, I certainly, you know, I remember when uh, W was elected and, and those administrations, you know, I would, I would give myself, if I had to chart my own experience with the national politics of the country, as experiencing an ebb and flow at least once, going from Bill Clinton to, to that administration, then to Obama now, this almost uncategorizable, as you said earlier, situation we're now in, as having a little bit of that seesaw experience, but it's certainly not the same as having decades-long uh, experience of, of having, you know, as you put it, your heart broken by federal government politics, presidential <laughs> politics. However, one of the things that also sticks out to me, and even the way you spoke about that, was the idea, the experience of having my heart broken by a presidential election. And I don't know that I'm representative of uh, a generation of people here, because I can think of many counterexamples to this, but maybe a, a certain percentage of my generation, is that it's actually quite difficult for me to imagine a situation where I could, where I describe my feeling as heartbroken as the result of a presidential election. Like I don't find myself as identified with it or identified with it to the point I would need to be in order to feel that profound sense of sadness. Well, I think that doesn't surprise me um, because independent of generations, people have different types of connections to elections and, and politics. And some people are more into it than, than others. Yeah. I mean, this past summer and fall when I was doing these things in DC, it was this really great experience for me because I was with this crowd of people who also care about this and, you know, wake up thinking about it and go to bed thinking about it. And in New York, you don't quite get that as much. Uh, people, yeah. they're aware of it, but they, it's not the same thing. And certainly the same thing is on, I had the same experience on the West Coast. Right. It's just not in, in the water as much. Right. I think that's, and it's, to, it's just a question of personal values. Um, some people are really into this and other people are not. Absolutely. People value this uh, sort of thing in different ways. And, you know, we can look at that across different events of the world and say, you know, I care a lot about Warriors basketball. There are things that we, we identify with more than others. So I, I, I hear you there. But in terms of kind of giving people a lens into how to process this and potentially process sort of what's happened a, a bit more effectively, uh, what you're teeing up here is this idea of how to notice that sort of shock moment or that processing the real-time news moment. How have you worked your way through that, hey, by the way, Trump's gonna is president-elect now, or by the way, you're having twins, not uh, a singleton. How have you been processing that? Well, uh, part of uh, dealing with any uh, dramatic thing is just letting yourself have the time to get through it. So within a couple days, 
I saw people posting on Facebook, we have to continue fighting and to the barricades and, right. you know, there's no substitute for this. And I just thought, well, I'm not, I'm not ready for that. And most people I know are not ready for that. Like we have to go through whatever grief or anxiety we have before we're going to get to that. And it's premature to just try to set it aside. So I think there's that, that it, you know, you think you recover or you go through at your own pace and eventually you get there at the same time. Since I'm a coach, I do have all these uh, coaching techniques. And uh, one of them is that uh, perspectives exercise that we did in a previous podcast episode where you're just looking at different points of view. And one point of view I thought was, okay, well, now I don't have to worry about trying to get a political appointment in the Hillary administration and taking a big salary cut, (laughs) I can just focus on making a lot of money and taking care of my family and that kind of thing. And it's somewhat liberating. Another aspect is that because my feelings are so strong and intense, I feel much more open about just lending them out and expressing with a strong point of view, as opposed to holding back and thinking about, okay, let me make sure that um, this is going to be overall positive rather than negative and think about how people are going to respond. I don't really think about that. It's more like, fuck it. I don't care what, what people say. I'm going to put my voice out there. And that hmm. that's also sort of liberating. Well, and it sounds like it's an important part of processing the shock, you know, I, like creating some space to just let yourself feel. And sometimes that means let yourself feel to the point of, you know, sharing it aloud with friends or colleagues or, you know, in the way you need to, realizing that that's the process you need to go through. It, it is. And it's also possible that, that this allows me to be a different kind of person than I was before. So somewhat hmm. less harmony seeking, somewhat less trying to let's all find common ground here and more of a, Meh, this is my voice. This is what I think. And I'm going to, my contribution is going to be to put it out there, whether or not uh, people agree and whether or not it ruffles feathers. So mm. that that's sort of different for me. Yeah, that is that is different. It's way different than how I experience you most of the time. Yeah, well, and that guy's gone. So <laughs> see get ya. Used to the, get used to the new Michael Melcher. I hope you like him. But if you don't, well, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I and I wonder. It'll be interesting to see. Is this the new Michael Melcher? Is this the Michael Melcher for the the couple of months needed to sort of process? the deep sense of shock around it all. I'll be standing by curiously <laughs> as will many of our listeners, I'm sure. It's funny as you were talking and talking about being less harmonious, I couldn't help but think a bit about the the quote I've mentioned before uh, on this podcast that actually I first heard from my dad which is this notion that separation is the cause of all suffering. And uh, as a quick reminder for what that really means is that anytime we as people are in resistance to our reality or what really is in the world, we, as we resist, we create separation between the reality and what we wish it was, and we tend to suffer because of that, versus when we can sort of accept reality as what is. Typically, with a little bit of time, we suffer less as we can get into that mindset. So as that's percolating in my brain here, and you're thinking about sort of processing your shock and, and this new version of you, how has that played in to this and, and potentially helping you feel better? Well, 
I'm not going to answer that question. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to say something else, which answer, is that <laughs> answer the question you want to answer, my friend. Yeah. In the immediate aftermath of the election, most people I know were saying, "Oh my god, how did this happen? This shouldn't have happened. It's horrible that this has happened. Let's get a recount at Wisconsin." By the way, I did send $100 sigil sign for that reason. So, <laughs> so a lot of people you know includes you yeah. in this instance. Yes. Yeah. That's part of the shock. Yeah. yeah. And and yet, it, it did happen. It, it In a way, it doesn't matter why it happened or that it shouldn't have happened. It, it's an is. Mm-hmm. Um, and as the more energy we put into saying, I can't believe this has happened, this shouldn't have happened, the more we suffer, in a way, because we're we're thinking we're sort of somehow escaping, but actually we're just dwelling in this strange interstitial place of not quite accepting reality. Mm-hmm. And so in fact, Donald Trump is going to be the president, assuming you know nothing happens between now and January 21st. And then we will just see what that is. And at the same time, I also feel that people who are saying, well, let's just wait and see, and maybe it'll turn out okay, and blah, blah, blah. In a way, I also feel that that is a kind of separation because it's sort of projecting forward different uh, fantasies as opposed to, again, just accepting what is and then dealing with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting point. It's a really interesting point. I also noticed, I, th- I think in a way you did answer my question. You, know, you <laughs> t- talked about setting, setting money to Jill Stein and having that sort of shock and resistance and then slowly trying to use this frame to reduce your suffering and be a little more accepting of what is and then operate from a productive place given that reality potentially but i can tell there's still a, there's still a shit kicker in you who wants to kind of air out the the way you feel and your point of view even if that creates more separation for a bit or even if it has no productive end goal necessarily other than the idea of your suffering needs space to get out well, is it separation or not? So I'll give my point of view here. Here's my point of view. <laughs> Number one, <laughs> millennials. However bad you think the Trump administration will be, it will be worse than you possibly think. It'll be like five times worse. And the impact will last much longer. Um, this, is your, this is your point of view. That's my prediction. Number two, it will be revealed that technology uh, has had a major negative uh, part of creating this result both because the more time people spend in social media with the fantasy that that's creating some type of um, connection, the less time they're actually in the real world, uh, dealing with real world things and, you know, organizing in a politically meaningful way. And further, you know, had Twitter not existed, I don't really think that uh, Donald Trump would be president. And I think that we're so addicted to technology now, and I think the millennial generation can't really conceive of life without it, but it will be revealed to be a deeply negative uh, cancerous type thing that is fully part of your existences. So let me pause and see if you think that, does that sound like brilliant, brilliant, tough love? Or does it sound like, oh, Michael's kind of uh, increasing his suffering by going on this crazy separation thing right now? Well, time will ultimately tell if it was dialed in tough love. Uh, I do sense I do sense your pain, and I sense the depth of it, and I share some of your fears on on a number of those fronts. You know, just how potentially damaging could 
some of the policy choices or even non-policy choices of this administration be. Also, so there's that, that which is content, election content specific, uh, and certainly relating to just the troubling effect of, of social media on the world at large, and certainly the younger generations of the world are addicted to those technologies in larger and larger numbers. You know, God help people being born today. Uh, and just the overall direction of all of that, the echo chambers it creates, the lack of discourse, I think it actually supports just in terms of we kind of get in our little echo chamber and our bubble and we just share like-minded ideas and, and vilify people who think differently than us, not even explicitly sometimes, but just implicitly based on what shows up in our Twitter and Facebook feeds, et cetera. So I, I certainly, I share some of those things and like it's, it's clear to me that there is like an intense degree of separation you see in yourself You've got this this Donald Trump baby in your arm all of a sudden, which you know who's so far from anything you can even begin to identify with. And God knows, I I have some of those same reactions, and that there's still a lot of pain there because of that difference. You know, one of the one of the things that does come to mind for me, if we if we if we're looking to this adage of separation is the cause of all suffering as some sort of helpful mantra or point of view as as folks process the election, and you know, had Hillary won this would have been something for folks on the other side to consider chewing on because they would feel like they didn't recognize that baby and feel quite separate from. I mean, one of the questions that does come to mind is, is reducing my own suffering or the collective suffering my goal in this situation? Or is that suffering necessary in order to advocate for what I believe to be the, the right outcome or a more productive, healthy outcome? Right. Huh. Well, that's interesting. So I would tend to think that making yourself suffer is not actually useful. So one thing that I have done specifically uh, in the wake of the election is that I cut my Facebook usage by 95% or so. And nice. I, I wouldn't say that I was a high user compared to other people, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, a combination of photos of my adorable babies, uh, semi-braggy, you know, <laughs> clever things about what restaurant I'm at or what cool people I'm being with. And then a bunch of uh, reposted articles about, I don't know, the election from a liberal point of view. And mm -hmm. what is certainly clear to me now is that just going online and posting a bunch of incendiary articles that people who already have the same point of view are just going to see and get riled up on is, is pretty useless. I don't mm -hmm. think it actually does anything good further. It is really clear to me that the more time I've spent on social media or in front of my computer or with my phone over the last couple of years, the less happy I am and the weaker I feel as a person. I definitely mm. feel my, powers of concentration are less than they used to be. And mm. I don't, I just don't think I'm a very effective person if I'm spending very much time. Mm. Um, and so I decided to dial that back because I want to be, I want control of my faculties. I want to be a strong person. I want mm -hmm. to be able to access my personal power and I want to be able to express myself in whatever way is going to be useful, but it's going to be something more substantial than a quick little comment on Facebook and then checking how many likes or comments I get. It's yeah. going to be more like writing a book or giving a speech or having a real interaction or dealing with a client or, or, or what have you, but something in the real world. So I've, I've made that 
decision. Yeah. In, in order to strengthen myself. Cause I don't think that just getting bogged down reading horrific articles is right. It doesn't do anything. It's stupid. I think it can certainly bog us down into feeling momentarily placated or better because somebody else in our group liked this thing and we feel the same way. How have you how have you pulled that off just as a quick aside? Do you yeah, do you lock yourself out of your Facebook? Or how does that happen? I well I delete the app on my phone. Uh, I sometimes I found that's huge. It. Yeah, I sometimes <laughs> really? install it. But, but <laughs> on I a long train delete. ride, it's like okay. Yeah. I delete it. And on my laptop, I I check the thing so that it doesn't remember my login information. So I actually have to re-log in if I want to check it. Yeah. So that that takes care of a lot. Yep. I found I found those two things to be huge. I don't have the apps on my phone, and I log out each time after I use it. So sometimes when I find myself, how did I get to Facebook? But I have to log in. Nah, never mind. It's enough to deter uh, a lot of social media usage. So quick tip. So where are we? <laughs> I think we've just pretty much cracked open everything and given people lots of useful guidance going forward. Well, what I what I find myself appreciating just about the conversation, <laughs> and you know, it's, it's a hard conversation in general. I mean, the the country has suffered so much around this conversation broadly over the last two years of campaigns, and you know, to know I'm I'm here trying to make sense and use the tools I have at my disposal to to survive through this and figure out what I want to do about it. And, and, you, and you're clearly calling on yours as well. And I think your pain runs uh, deeper and it's in a more unique way. And I'm just appreciating trying to have the conversation that is, that is quite difficult just intrinsically and by its nature. And I'm, I'm kind of stoked to see this rabble rouser you who's in shock and less harmonious and kind of like, hey, I need to go through this process uh, and I'm also encouraged to hear you thinking about, okay, how do I accept what is and then act in the best interests of myself and what I believe to be the country from that place as well. Mm-hmm. So what's going to be our um, homework or try this at home thing that our listeners can do this week? The thing that I'm thinking about and the way I'm processing this is comes as no surprise around this idea of separation and, and suffering around that. Um, and this may be... <laughs> stereotypically younger generation, given the way we've been talking about it. But I think the thing I noticed, and and this even ties to our our discussion just now about social media and the echo chamber it creates, is that my sense is I haven't done a good job holding myself accountable or holding other people accountable to having real dialogue around these sorts of issues. And how could I, you know, on some level, I, I also feel compassionate. Like, how could I blame myself when we look at the way it's set up on a national level, it's not about dialogue. So for those people who still feel like they have some energy around this, but are potentially working through the shock phase and interested in what might a productive step for me and for my community and maybe even the country be, an exercise I thought of, and in fact I've tried a little bit, has been to try to seek out somebody who has a different point of view Maybe it's just incrementally different, you know, or softer on certain issues uh, or thinks differently than you on on at least a subset of them. And try to have a connecting conversation with that person where you try to genuinely understand their point of view and have them understand yours. And, And a quick way to do that might be to enter into the conversation and make the first five things you say to them genuine questions that you don't know the answer to. You, have, you might have a set of assumptions or reactions about them, but, but just try to ask these genuinely curious questions. And as you get into the conversation, be willing to admit what you don't know for sure 
encourage them or highlight for them what they don't know for sure. And then just sort of note what that experience is like. Okay, well, I'll try that, even though I don't want to, but I will because I trust you as my West Coast doppelganger. I have an additional exercise for people, which is delete your Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram apps from your phone for this week. You can always reinstall them the next day. Yep. (laughs) And pick up a book of any kind but that you know will require concentration. It could be a novel. It could be nonfiction. It could be something by Theodore Scotchpole. Um, it could be uh, whoever. And carry it around and push yourself to read it, knowing that it takes concentration and it won't be easy. But see what that does to you, to get into more the intentional learning, deeper thinking space, as opposed to the reacting and um, clicking and checking thing that is so common in um, in all apps. Do that. And tell me, tell me what your results are. You know what I just did as you were talking? You deleted an app? I just deleted Instagram. Look at you! Which was my one. It's like the cheat I afforded myself because I've uninstalled all the other ones. But I was like, yeah, why do I keep that? I'm, I just deleted it. Just disappeared. You're I love modeling. It. You're, now I see why you're the super coach of the West Coast. <laughs> well, you gave me such an actionable and easy to do yeah. uh, thing. Now I just need to go pick my book. And I'm actually really excited to, to try that, that out on both levels and uh, excited to see sort of just like, oh, God, let's push a layer, a layer deeper with some of this stuff and see what that does. You know, imagine if everyone listening did that. Well, with our, our reach into hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions. Um, That's right. It will will really move the needle of our country. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, man. That's right. right. Well, hey, thanks for diving in on this topic. I know there's still a lot of feelings you're processing here. And uh, I I think folks listening can relate, regardless of where exactly they fall. So so thanks for sticking in it. Let me uh, both listen and prod a little bit. Thanks for your prodding. All right. Well, this has been Meanwhile, and we'll... uh, be talking to everyone in another week or two. Thanks for listening, y'all.